Welcome back. We're here Monday morning. Oh, not morning. What am I talking about? Monday afternoon, 2 p.m. here in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. You're listening to the What's Right Show. Sam Rajofsky here, your host, your favorite recovering Californian, as I like to put it. I was down in Newport over the weekend, ran into quite a few people from Las Vegas. I On Saturday, I was wearing my Bishop Gorman t-shirt, so I was getting a lot of cat calls from modern day fans, as well as some kind words from locals who were visiting in town, as was I. Uh, let me say this, as I evaluate my life, uh, my past life as a Californian and now as a proud Nevadan, uh, you've heard me say many times how concerned I am that Nevada not become another California. And in one particular aspect, this is so critical, because I will tell you the criminality in California is absolutely off the charts. Just this past weekend, Saturday, there was a major smash and grab robbery in Malibu. Malibu is a community north of LA, very bougie, very well-to-do, well-heeled, and this organized gang came in and within minutes stole $500,000 worth of goods from the store. Earlier that same week, 25 bags of jewelry were st uh, stolen from a Brinks truck. Over $100 million taken in that robbery. Uh, we just got you know word of that happening over the weekend. Uh, what else? In Orange County. We had a fatal stabbing by a nut job transient lunatic of a famous NASCAR driver. This was an absolutely terrible uh, situation. It happened on Wednesday. They gave, finally caught up with him Friday night. Um, and the, I believe, the Orange County Sheriff's Office shot the guy dead. It, it, I'm not saying crime doesn't happen in Vegas, but it is happening in California at a fast clip. And it's all a direct consequence of the fact that these criminals are being let back out on the street to the point now that even the woke of the woke are starting to say, wait a minute, we have a problem. Now, one of these wokesters, and I, it's not fair calling him woke, but I, but I will say this. The Starbucks CEO, you know this guy, Howard Schultz, he had some comments recently leak of his where he, he's, he's pretty adamant about the fact that things have to change in America. And I, I, I'm encouraged by this. You got to listen to this. And, and the audio is a little spotty of this, but this is the head of Starbucks. By the way, Starbucks is going to be closing multiple locations in big cities. And uh, by the way, the reason for these closures is because these stores have become inherently unsafe. Here's him discussing some of this environment and the reasons for the closures. Listen closely. And uh, I don't have to spend too much time on what's going on in the country and how America has become unsafe. Uh, but you all read the press release the last couple of days about the fact that we are beginning to close stores that are not unprofitable. 
but we're closing stores as a result of the co-creation sessions that we've had, almost 60 now, 25 in the SSC and the rest in the field. We had one yesterday in San Antonio. But in all of those sessions, uh, it has shocked me that one of the primary concerns that our retail partners have is their own personal safety. Now, listen to me. This is really important. He is saying that he's concerned with the personal safety of the people working in stores for years now. I think any reasonable person could tell you that there is a problem brewing in Starbucks stores because going back to 2018, when a couple of young African-American professional men were kicked out of a Starbucks because of their policy to not allow non-patrons to use the facilities, there was a giant outcry. I don't know if you remember this. And the store, the, the uh, Starbucks back then, do you, do you know what they did? They actually shut down all, I don't know, 3,800, how many, however many Starbucks stores there are, shut them all down on the same day to send every single one of their workers to sensitivity training. Now, this is, this was back in, in, in 2018. The store, the chain, the company did a, a major mea culpa. They said, you know, we've, we don't we want to be, this is a direct quote, by the way. I found the article going back to this original event. We don't want to become a public bathroom, but we're going to make the right decision 100% of the time and give people the key because we don't want anyone at Starbucks to feel as if we are not giving access to you to the bathroom. And this was by the same Howard Schultz that today is decrying the fact that people in his stores and the company stores do not feel safe, the employees working there. Now, if Howard spent a few less minutes in the boardroom and a few more in the field, any one of us who go to Starbucks could have tell him, told him this years ago. Do you want to be at a Starbucks where there is a disgusting homeless person who has done business in their pants? By the way, these are real stories, okay? I'm, I'm not, not, none of this is exaggeration. Who is allowed to wander in and out of the bathroom, locks themselves, barricades themselves in the bathroom. leaves the bathroom looking like, I, I mean, politely put, a pigsty. And all of this because of a company that wants to virtue signal how great they are. See, this problem really is multifaceted. In fact, a lot of the issues that Starbucks has created, I think, for itself, and also, of course, this is a company that notoriously supports a lot of left-wing politicians who now uh, maybe have created some of the problems that are leading to them having to close stores. Nonetheless, it's interesting how, just as with politicians who don't, aren't able to adequately connect the dots between what they do, their policies that they enact, and the ensuing results, sometimes even smart CEOs have trouble admitting that some of their own policies are contributing to this decline. See, the, the truth is that no matter what most people say who claim to be woke or claim to be empathetic or claim to be, you know, 
left-leaning. The truth is, I would say if you really sat them down and say, okay, super off the record, we understand that you love homeless people, you want to help the, what do they call them, the, the unhomed, unhoused, that's what it is. All right, it used to be homeless was the politically correct term, now it's evolving, but nonetheless, if you sat them down and said, okay, now, no one's listening, it's just me and you, and this will never be shared anyway, anywhere, do you want to go... Door number one, you've got a Starbucks, and there's a homeless person who uses that bathroom every day to do all of their personal business. And door number two is a Starbucks where that doesn't happen. Which Starbucks do you want to go to? You know what the answer is, right? You know it. There's, <laughs> there's nobody wants to go to that first Starbucks. And eventually, this conceivably had to come to them that this would be a problem. But they sought to push this absurdity on it. So back in February of 2022, forward time travel uh, ahead, there is a new story that comes out about Starbucks, and it says this. Starbucks is rethinking its open bathroom policy due to safety concerns. Well, no crap, literally. Of course, they're rethinking it. He said, due to a growing, growing mental health problems and issues related to incidents threatening the safety of their employees, Starbucks is rethinking and revisiting its open bathroom policy. And, um, you know, and he says, we got a duty to provide safety to our people. Well, of course he does. And frankly, I always look at this as an attorney, and I think, you know, if, if, I, if I had a client call me and they said, I work for Starbucks, and they've put me in the store, and there are multiple incidents every month of violent acts, and they've done nothing about it, and now I got hurt because yet another, in fact, it's the same hobo that keeps coming into the store and causing problems that they have refused to trespass from the, from the property— and now they've put me into harm's way. Now this person's hit me or thrown a chair at me and I've got a concussion or a, or a TBI, a traumatic brain injury. Uh, would I take that case? And I, I, I would, because that's a compensable claim. Moreover, at this point, the, the, the store is on notice and their own policy has contributed to the problem. So really, this, is, this problem, right, between when we talk about safety, Right? It's the, the politicians working at one end, making stupid decisions to release criminals that then go out and reoffend and act with impunity, as you're seeing with these really brazen daytime robberies that are increasing, certainly, in, in, um, as events, as recorded events, can be quantified, quantifiably you know, ranked that we've got a problem. And, and on, the, on the flip side of it, too, you've, you've got companies that have for so long pushed this sort of nonsense and thought that they could create a fictional world where literally anything goes in the bathroom, not realizing that in Reelsville, most of us reside, that we, well, I don't know, well, we, we just want a clean bathroom. We want a cup of coffee. If we're going to spend six bucks on a cup of coffee, we expect a damn clean bathroom. Is that too much to ask?
I don't think so. All right, I got another clip from Mr. Schultz about this when we continue. Putin apparently expressing some regrets over the sanctions uh, facing the Russia. I'll tell you what that means. We come back. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The What's Right Show. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. Accountability after an accident means more than just a settlement check. It means getting you back to 100%. We hold the insurance company accountable for what they owe you. Call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit SamAndAshLaw.com. And welcome back, Sam Rajovsky, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to the What's Right Show, your place for, well, the truth, Monday through Friday, 2 p.m. Uh, here on the station. So, friends, listen, I, I wanted to just continue with this briefly here. Starbucks CEO Howard Schultz, uh, some comments coming out of his that uh, seem to be very on the nose as to crime and the reasons for why they're closing 14-some stores across the country in areas that have had repeated safety problems. Uh, I would remind you, of course, that Starbucks was the company that back in 2018 decided to open their bathrooms to everyone, regardless if they were a paying customer or not. And this ultimately invited a lot of riffraff into the stores and, for me, personally created a direct an identifiable reason why to stay away from Starbucks. There, I said it. I can't tell you, I probably, I used to go to Starbucks all the time, and I I now, well, because my office is in the Arts District, lots of independent coffee shops, options to choose from, I'm very lucky, but I mean, even here in town, right, there, there are other options. You don't have to go to, to Starbucks. You can go to Dutch Brothers, for example. There are other options, right? And so one of the reasons I can I can be honest with you, I can tell you is that particularly in downtown areas, you know, Starbucks has a certain element that they allow into the store. So here's the second part of what Howard Schultz, the CEO, said, uh, talking about politics and the failure of governments. Now, he is right about this, uh, and so I think it, it, it bears particular interest to me, and it's important to you as well, this realization from a CEO who's been a very, I would say, a very left-leaning guy, progressive guy, starting to connect the dots on some of the stuff that's going on. And I, I must say, um, in my view, uh, at the local, state, and federal level, these governments across the country and leaders, mayors and governors and city councils have abdicated their responsibility in fighting crime and addressing mental illness. Well, yeah, bingo. Now, these comments were contained in leaked video posted over the weekend to Twitter by Ari Hoffman, uh, who is a talk show host based in Seattle. Uh, this is uh, coming on the heels. It looks like 16 stores in various cities across the country based on, were closed based on employee complaints of drug use, violent crime on the premises, etc. And expect more of this. You're, you're seeing this in the big cities. You're seeing this in New York, 
San Francisco, there are Walgreens and other retailers that do not want to be uh, located in particular parts of town that used to at one point be nice. And it's all a consequence of crime going unabated. You've seen the videos, people showing up, riding up their bikes. They're not even taking steps to conceal their identities. They roll up with a duffel bag and start wrapping stuff up from the, from the aisles and they leave and, and police do not respond because they know the district attorneys will not prosecute crimes, property crimes up to a certain point, be it $1,000, $2,000, depending on the jurisdiction. So people know they can just roll up to a store and steal $900 worth of stuff and get away with it. What do you think is going to happen? If we allow this to happen here in Las Vegas, there is not a whole lot left of our city. Think about this for a moment. Our entire, I don't want to say our entire existence here, but it does in, in large part depend on tourism. And tourism in large part depends on people feeling safe. What do we want from people when they come to Las Vegas? We want them to feel at home. Actually, we want them to feel better than at home. We want them to go out and drink. We want them to be out late at night. We want them gambling and spending money in our restaurants. We want them here. And there is nothing worse or more counterproductive to that goal than to ultimately, ultimately end up with a city that is open for business, not for tourists, but for criminals. Now, I will tell you this because I'm, I circulate among the various um, interesting people here in town. There is an element here. I wouldn't say it's a majority at all, but it is a articulate and influential element of people that believe, truly believe, that we ought to do the same thing here that has been tried in L.A., that's been tried in New York, that has been tried in every one of these cities that is currently on fire. They truly believe that a far bigger issue than crime and a far bigger issue than lack of respect for personal property and whatnot is... Well, certain inequalities in our justice system. And the funny thing is, is I don't necessarily disagree with them. I just disagree with the solution. I'm a firm believer in the Constitution and being applied fairly and equally among us all. But restorative justice is not about equality. Restorative justice is about evening things out and putting your, instead of, Instead of having you know, Lady Liberty there, Lady Justice, excuse me, with the blindfold and the scales of justice evening things out, making things fair, restorative justice is about one side putting a finger on the scale and pushing it down and giving benefit and leeway to certain people because of the quote-unquote wrongs that were done them in the past. 
This is not good. All right, so when we come back, friends, I need to get to this because it's important. There's some news out of Ukraine. I haven't talked about the war in a while. There's some interesting smoke signals coming out of Russia that I find interesting. Of course, you know that my family's from the Czech Republic, and I spend a lot of time in Eastern Europe, and I know this part of the world well. So allow me to give you the inside view on this, what I think is going on, uh, perhaps what this means for the future and the, the length of the conflict, uh, how it will continue. You're listening to The What's Right Show. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840, KXNT. Sam and Ash here with a What's Right PSA. If you've been hurt and a lawyer reaches out to you first, run the other way. It's unethical and honest lawyers don't do it. Don't let your lawyer choose you. If a tow truck driver, mechanic, or anyone at the ER tells you which injury lawyer to hire, chances are that person has a shady deal with the lawyer. Don't risk your future with a crooked lawyer. Choose the law firm you know you can trust. Call us 702-820-1234 or visit SamAndAshLaw.com. Common Sense Conservatism, delivered daily, Monday through Friday, 2 p.m., right here on News Talk 840 KXNT. Friends, you are listening to the What's Right Show. Sam Rajovsky here, your host, doing my duty here uh, every day uh, to make sense of all of this craziness. So there is... There were two stories in particular that caught my eye regarding Ukraine. Now, this is important because, listen, friends, this world, like it or not, we're all interconnected. And if you've, I don't know if you've been noticing, but basically everything that could possibly be going wrong right now is, (laughs) it's just, it's bananas. And as it turns out that whether it's grain, mustard seed, or, I don't know, electronic wiring harnesses for cars, Ukraine produces certain things that we need. The longer that this war goes on, the worse it is for us. There's also an added component to this, and that is that everything in this world exists, in my view, as a delicate equilibrium. This is one of, this conflict here is one of the greatest threats to normalcy, I don't want to say normalcy, but but basically the, the, the world order as it existed post-World War II, this is the biggest change potentially to it in Europe since the end of communism and the fall of the Iron Curtain. And what I also mean, and I talk about equilibriums, I mean to me, and I think to all of you, you recognize that China, of course, is the uh, foe to watch. One of my great concerns coming out of Ukraine actually is a weakened Russia, believe it or not. Because I see a weak Russia as less likely to be able to stand up to the Chinese in the east, keep the Chinese tied up there. We want, in other words, as many countries around the world uh, be potential adversaries to China, as the Chinese look, no doubt, in the coming hmm, decades, maybe not even decades, right, in coming years, to expand their influence. So I, I look at all of this and I go, look, the, the, ideally, 
all of this ends soon. The question is, will it? And the short answer is, I fear not. I also fear something's, I believe, I don't fear, I believe something's going on in Russia. Now, one of the first things that we had are comments, public comments for the first time coming from Vladimir Putin, admitting that Western sanctions are a huge challenge for Russia. Now, of course, it's got all the typical saber rattling of saying it's all our fault and the, the West is conspiring against Russia and whatnot, but this is an unusual public statement from Putin. Now, the other bit of news that I find fascinating, I don't know if you heard this, but Putin's, Putin's got a right-hand guy. Now, there's some formal vice president of the country, but it's not, it's not an important person. The, the most important second-in-command person in Russia, the one who stepped in for Putin when he allegedly went under the knife for a unspecified illness, is a guy named Nikolai Patrushev, 71 years old. He is the former head of the FSB, which is the, call it the kind of the FBI, CIA uh, group in Russia. And he's really, he's seen as, as ideologically closest to Putin. Patrushev's son, Dmitry, is a top minister in Putin's government. So this is an important guy. And apparently he survived a poison assassination attempt over the weekend. Now, why is this important? The big thing is, if true, this is an, a, a really an unprecedented attack on a high-level Russian guy within the government. If you could think back to World War II, I think the highest-ranking... German, Nazi, to ever be taken out, uh, was a, a, a gentleman in Prague, of all things. He was acting as the, um, as, as the, as the rice protector in Prague, uh, and this, this was a major, uh, major assassination attempt of Reinhard Heydrich. Uh, this was, when was this? Probably in 1941 or 42. And, um, and, and so this just doesn't happen very often. It means that there are some, if, again, if this is true, it means that there is some, clearly some high-level dissent within the Russian system where there is opposition to what Putin is doing. There is a desire to end this conflict. And their way of getting at it is to eliminate the hardliners within the government. Because remember, one of the reasons it was long speculated that Putin went into this entire thing was because he was getting pressure from his more conservative hardline wing, among them, of course, being Nikolai Patrushev and others. So this is an attempt. Somebody in there, again, if this is true, somebody in there is going, hey, you know what? I mean, Putin still might be a rational player. We've got to eliminate the hardliners. Easier to go after them. They're less protected. But they still play a critical role in some of this policy being executed. When you take that news together with Putin saying, yeah, you know, it's, it's like, admittedly there's some problems, I think there is a lot more pressure on Russia than we even realize. Now, we know this, of course, is... Is, is, is the truth. And meanwhile, I think the war, by the way, is not going well for Ukraine at all. 
it's not going well for Russia, but uh, the Russians are certainly gaining territory and it's, it's not looking great. So this is something I'm following because unfortunately a lot of our economy is tied to the uncertainty of this war and the fear that it's going to continue to spill out and create problems in Europe and further disrupt the supply chain. Not, not good. By the way, you remember the, the news story of Putin having to call up these fat generals, in particular this one that was like 400 pounds. <laughs> they showed a picture of him in his uniform. He literally looks like a balloon man. Well, yeah, because his people are getting murdered on the front lines. They're getting they're t getting taken out, so they're calling up retired reservists that are in their 70s and are, you know, portly. So this reminds me of something closer to home here in Las Vegas. Forgive me the comparison. It turns out that the district here, Clark County Schools, have recognized that they have critical labor shortages. And so they are reaching out to teachers who have been retired, promising them that they can work and still keep their retirement, their PERS retirement benefits. So if you're a retired teacher, the district may want you back, may be willing to even let you keep your retirement and earn money working at the schools. That is how desperate the schools have gotten. Of course, Nobody wants to admit that part of the problem here is that being a teacher now in Las Vegas in multiple schools is a dangerous business. Almost as dangerous as being a officer <laughs> in Putin's army. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to have stuff thrown at you. You're going to have uh, kids gone wild, uh, you know, attacking you, punching you, hitting you, potentially knocking you unconscious. All because of you know, well, we want to be nice to people who perhaps have grown up with less privilege than others. So we're going to exercise a little bit of restorative justice to get them back on their feet. Now, speaking of people getting back on their feet and woke ideologies gone awry, this morning, Prince Harry went to the UN. And there he did something that I don't think was advisable at all. He opened his mouth. We come back, I'll tell you about that. You do not want to miss this. You're listening to the What's Right Show. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. I have to tell you folks a funny story. I'm with my daughter over the weekend and we are at, uh, I mentioned we were in Newport Beach. Uh, <laughs> we go to this little boutique, little beach boutique. By the way, you're listening to News Talk 840 KXNT. Sam Rajovsky here, the What's Right Show. My youngest daughter, she's nine. She was being very cute, very respectful. We were having a nice lunch together. And afterwards, go into this little boutique. And they have, it's like one of these places where they have you know, stuff for women, little dresses, beach attire, more or less, right? And a display case full of these, I don't know, it's like costume jewelry, you know, it's little chains, very dainty with, I don't know, okay, you know, like Swarovski, kind of that kind of crystal stuff, but it was, it was at a beach. So I, <laughs> I, she's looking at, she found a little necklace that had a smiley face on it. And I said, you know what? 
I was feeling a little, you know, I was feeling nice. I was feeling like a, I wanted to be a nice dad. I said, you know what, you can, you can get it. And in my head, in my head, I thought that that little necklace, it was with a smiley face, like an emoji smiley face. I thought 65 bucks, max, okay, max. The girl comes out, pulls out this giant binder, flipping through pages, $3,800. You could have picked me up off the floor. I was so... <laughs> I grabbed my daughter and I said, I love you, but not that much. And we walked out. And even she got it, right? I mean, it's unbelievable. So that's my story from the weekend. Prince Harry, <laughs> he's in New York today, gave a speech at the United Nations. Uh, this is commemorating Nelson Mandela, the former president of South Africa. Nelson Mandela, of course, was a major opposition figure during the apartheid government and spent a number of years in solitary confinement. And today, a number of woke liberals, including, by the way, the mayor of New York himself, Eric Adams, who actually <laughs> got up and said today in his remarks regarding Nelson Mandela that his 27, Mandela's 27 years in solitary confinement reminds him of his own suffering with dyslexia. <laughs> All these liberals, <laughs> they all want to wear the mantle of Mandela. It makes them look good. So they put it on themselves, especially Harry, of course, who <laughs> has never struggled a day in his life, except for maybe his honorable military service, which I I'm not going to take away from him. But, but nonetheless, still, the, the guy, ever since he's paired up with that Meghan Markle cat, been preaching around the world, flying in various polluting airplanes as he jets from engagement to engagement. So I watched his speech. And of course, it had this bit in it where he couldn't, he could not help himself but to dig at the country he calls home. We're living through a pandemic that continues to ravage communities in every corner of the globe. Climate change wreaking havoc on our planet, with the most vulnerable suffering most of all. The few weaponizing lies and disinformation at the expense of the many. And from the horrific war in Ukraine to the rolling back of constitutional rights here in the United States, we are witnessing a global assault on democracy and freedom, the cause of Mandela's life. Yeah, he swiped right on crazy. And now, as a consequence, he's been completely lobotomized. And maybe, look, maybe the... So stupid. You know the big problems facing our world right now? If you listen to Prince Harry? Let's go through it. The big problems facing this world is not China, is not the absence of U.S. leadership abroad, is not inflation is not an economy spiraling out of control, a disrupted supply chain, is not globalization. None of that. No, those are not real problems. You know what the real problems are? The environment, 
climate change, disinformation, right, which he basically means listening to opinions he doesn't like, okay? And finally, the assault on the Constitution here in the United States from those evil conservative justices. What would the grandson of a constitutional monarch pray tell me about the U.S. Constitution? What a load of drivel this is. Now he went on talking about how his mother, the dear Princess Diana, that she had a personal relationship with Nelson Mandela that was, well, it was captured in a photograph given to Harry by Desmond Tutu, the former Archbishop of Johannesburg. This is the kind of stuff, they, they had a relationship because they, they took a photo together. The shallowness of a political left is, I, I don't know if it can be captured better than by what is going on today at the United Nations. This, of course, being the place that allows China to sit on the Security Council at the same time China conducts a genocide in real time, eliminating, re-educating, the Uyghurs in China, what they've done to Tibet over the last 35, 40 years, also unbelievable, all the while enjoying full privileges and powerful positioning in the United Nations. This organization should hang its head in shame. And because it's better, instead of hanging your head in shame and recognizing that you're full of crap, and that none of what you do really actually matters. Because if, if, if you actually did believe that you wanted to stop future genocides, you'd start with the ones going on right now. Since they can't confront that reality, what do they do instead? They sit around and listen to these kind of drivel speeches. And the only reason we're picking this one up is because it's Prince Harry. By the way, he looks, he looks terrible. Can I say that? He's, he's losing a lot of hair up front. You can tell that there are heroic efforts being, uh, being expended uh, by uh, probably some of the top hairstylists in Hollywood that are trying to kind of put it all together up top, but he's, he's definitely losing hair. He looks like a, a prisoner in himself. He looks totally controlled. He doesn't have an ease that comes with someone who has self-confidence. And I know I've mentioned this before, I, and forgive me if I digress here, but women like Markle prey on weak men. A, a strong, opinionated, self-certain human would never put up with her drivel and her manipulation. A strong man would never let a woman like Meghan Markle come between him and his family. A strong man would not let himself be uprooted from his duties, responsibilities, his way of life. So what you saw today at the UN was 
the weak remnants of whatever was left over of what's what once was Prince Harry. And none of it really matters to me, except don't come to this country and enjoy living here. I guess he likes living in Santa Barbara. It's a nice place, Montecito, if you've ever been. Gorgeous. He's here. Stop taking a dump on the country that you came to. And I say this as the son of immigrants who came here and have done nothing but absolutely love and cherish this country. But that is the problem with people like Prince Harry. In fact, when they offer up all these solutions or, or, or explain away what the problems are that are facing us, uh, they, they don't mention the main issue being their, all of this globalization, all this interdependence that we have now, because they thrive on that. If you ask Prince Harry who he is, who he belongs to, I bet you he would call himself a citizen of the world. And I think right now we need a little bit of less of that citizen of the world nonsense and focus a little bit on, hey, I'm a citizen of the U.S. or I'm a citizen of Great Britain, I'm a citizen of whatever, and I want to make my home and my country the best place it can possibly be. Yeah, I think we need more of that. And let's start with Las Vegas, shall we? All right, friends, I got to run the podcast. As per usual, you know where to go for that. Go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, look up What's Right Show. And other than that, I will see you here tomorrow, 2 p.m. again to do it all over again. Looking forward, friends. You're listening to What's Right Show. Sam Marjofsky here, over and out.